and you're watching or listening to BoxBox F1 Pod. Uh, welcome back, it's been a minute. Um, I apologize for my absence. I was traveling during the Japanese Grand Prix for work, so it was a little hard to record. And then I got sick. Um, and as you can hear, I'm still a little raspy. Uh, so I apologize in advance if it's grating for the ears. But um, on the other hand, I'm usually pretty pip squeaky. So maybe this will be a welcome change for everyone. And also the higher I go, the less you can hear, so uh, maybe it'll be good. To make up for the races I missed, I dedicated a lap per race during the digital warm-up. Very quick, just some of my like top three highlights from each race, and then I'll get into everything that happened leading up to the US Grand Prix, and of course, the GP weekend. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's dive into the digital warm-up. Do do do. <laughs> okay, do do do. <laughs> Lap one, uh, F1 news. So some of this might be a bit out of date, but I'm just gonna touch on it anyway since it's been a while. Um, first is we still don't know if Logan is staying at Williams. After this weekend, I pray and hope that they'll give him another chance. Um, but TBD on that spot. Um, I do respect them not dumping him on the side of the road immediately, like some other teams might have done. Um, also, whoa. Um, even though it's been officially announced that Yuki is staying at AlphaTari, there are still rumors going around that he might be um, moving over to Aston Martin with Honda. Um, although I don't know when Honda's officially moving over to Aston Martin, so I don't know when that would happen. But like, he's been officially confirmed at AlphaTari. Um, Aston Martin hasn't made any indication that anyone is leaving. Who would leave? Leads me into the next thing, Lance. What the fuck is going on with Lance, guys? Like, this is not news, this is like a rumor, but like, there are rumors that Lance is leaving and how, why it's still debated. Some people are saying he's starting a tennis career. That's a joke, obviously, but I don't even know where that came from. Um, another thing is that Aston recently entered the World Endurance Race, and so there are rumors that that was Lawrence's way of creating like an easy getaway for uh, Lance to leave F1 gracefully and to join the endurance team. But if you ask me, and no one is, but if you ask me, Lance doesn't want to race. Lance does not want to be there at all. Like it is very clear from his behavior, the way he acted specifically at the um, Japan, was it the Japanese Grand Prix or the Guitar Grand Prix? One of those Grand Prix when he had his whole fit, like uh, qualifying didn't go the way he wanted it to. There was the clip of him like pushing his engineer out of the way in the spur of the moment. Um, obviously not great behavior, but I really don't like that anytime Lance does something subpar, people are like, oh, daddy's boy, uh, rich kid, like, don't feel bad for him, like, get him out of here. All in all, Lance might be the nicest, calmest, kindest person in all of F1 at the moment. He is Canadian to his core. He is nice. He is non-confrontational. He had a bad moment. And this is going to be my theory um that i know i harped on this a lot at the beginning of the year but i truly think it all goes back to his wrist like yes he had like some great races at the beginning when his wrist was at its worst but the thing about injuries and injuries that don't get to heal properly which i'm going to guess his didn't what do i know but like i can't imagine how it could um there's a lot of chronic pain that comes with that and chronic pain is much harder to deal with than other kind of pain, especially if you've never really been in pain before. And so I can really see that chipping away at him. And like, I don't know if this is true. This is full speculation, but if he is in pain from the not necessarily healed wrist, um, that would be caught, that could cause full like change in his mood, in his behavior, in his performance. Um, not to mention that things aren't really going his way um, strategy always seems to be bad for him. Um, he's basically not set up for success. And I just get annoyed when people blame it on him being a daddy driver, being a rich kid's son. Like, 
Lance is not that one dimensional. I think there's a lot more going on, but what it boils down to is I don't think he wants to be here anymore. And it again, makes me question. I always wondered, is Lance here because of Lawrence or is Lance, is Lawrence there because of Lance? At the moment, it seems that Lance is there because of Lawrence. Um, whether Lawrence wants him to stick it out to save face, although I don't know why, because it's making it worse for his business. If it's like, what I imagine, literally what I imagine is that scene in a Cinderella story when Chad Michael Murray sees Hilary Duff leaving, um, leaving the stands and he runs off in the middle of the game, gives his helmet to his friend. It's like, this is your game now. And then as he runs, his dad stops him. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, this is your dream dad not mine and then he runs up and then it rains and he makes out with hillary duff and they both get a cold <laughs> like me um but that is how i imagine this going is that lawrence might think that this is lance's dream and so he's pushing it lance doesn't want to be here anymore he doesn't know how to tell his dad because his dad's like invested like a billion dollars in this um who knows what's going on those are just my speculations <laughs> um moving on um there are some, there were some weird Red Bulls that didn't really come to fruition. That, what did I say? There were some weird rumors at Red Bull. I don't know what I said, but there were some weird rumors over Red Bull that I didn't really see come to fruition this week. But one of them was that um, Helmut Marco is on the outs and that Christian is working extra overtime to get him the fuck out of there for whatever reason. Now, I'm, you're never going to catch me arguing for Helmut Marco to stay. You're also never going to catch me arguing that Helmut Marco doesn't have a purpose because he can spot talent a mile away. Half of Red Bull's talent is due to Helmut Marco. Um, but he's over 80. It's time to go. <laughs> it's time to get the fuck out. Anyone who's working anywhere over 80, power to you. Kudos to you. Take a fucking break. You're done. It's fine. Especially when you're like in a position of power. You know, and also Helmut Marco's crazy, <laughs> whether that's age, um, other stuff, it's time for him to go. So I see where that's coming from. But so far, I have not seen anything about him getting fired. So TBD on that as well. Lap two, uh, the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, these are going to be my podium moments, aka my top three moments. I need to have a name for everything. So these are going to be my Japanese GP podium moments. Um, first... It's not really about the Japanese Grand Prix, but it's about how I watched the Japanese Grand Prix. So as I mentioned, I missed the Japanese Grand Prix because I was traveling for work. And um, um, after the conference was over, I met up with a friend who lives in San Diego, um, went to dinner, and she loves F1 too. Lexi, I think I mentioned her before. Um, and as we came back from dinner, back to my hotel, um, the bar was showing F1. So we sat down to, uh, it was like halfway through the race. So we sat down to watch and there was these two guys next to us. And it was very funny. This girl like, came up to try to like, I don't know, flirt with them. I don't know what she was doing, but like she thought that she was going to flirt with them by like talking about NASCAR. It was like a very odd situation. They like clearly didn't want to talk to her. Um, and she was like, so like, it's like NASCAR, right? And they were like, no, <laughs> they just like wanted to pay zero attention to her. So when we arrived though, this was the moment when Checo got back in his car. So we were both sitting there like, what the fuck is happening? Because we thought Checo DNF'd and yet he's sitting in his car waiting for something. We couldn't really hear that well. So we were like trying to guess what the hell was happening. So I asked these two men, I was like, do you guys know what happened to Checo? And they're like, no, we were distracted by something, but he DNF'd. So I don't know why he's in his car anymore. And as they're talking, um, we're talking about Checo and then, um, I was like, oh, okay, sad, he DNF'd. And then um, one of the guys goes, but the Dutch guy is doing well. Um, and I was like, are you Dutch? And he was like, yes. <laughs> um, and he smiled so broadly. And if there's anything Max Verstappen does, it's bring joy to the Dutch people. I have never seen a man happier than to be associated, to be talking about, or to be in the vicinity, even if it's on TV, of Max Verstappen. And that, that's a blessing. So um, again, Checo's sitting in his car and we're like trying to figure out what's going on. Like, why is he sitting in his car? And one of the Dutch, one of the Dutch people goes, well, maybe he uh, tried to get out and is stuck. So he just has to sit there. Dutch people. 
I started talking to one of them and I was like, so who do you like on the grid besides Max? Um, and one of them <laughs> proceeded to name literally every guy on the grid, Bar Lewis and George. Um, and I, he even named Lawson, who was not even on the grid. He's like, I love Lawson. And I was like, sir, you realize you've named everyone Bar Mercedes. And he like smiles sheepishly. And he's like, no, I didn't name Lando. Lando's very annoying. I can see why he wouldn't name him, but I just thought it was kind of funny that he like lives up to his expect lives up to the stereotype. He's like, I'm nothing against Lewis, I'm nothing against George, I'm nothing against Lando, except that he's annoying. But um I like Max and I'm like fair play. I get it. Um it was very calm, it was very peaceful, no hard feelings, but like as he was talking, I just felt like I could hear like, you know, like an angel choir, but instead of like Ah, uh, they were all singing Max, 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 Super Max, <laughs> just like all around us. Um, all right, another thing that I wanna talk about is the Mercedes Civil War that seems to have erupted during the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, there was a lot of sass going on back and forth in the radio. But what I specifically wanna focus on is the reason this happened um, my opinion, <laughs> my opinion is the reason that this happened is because Toto was gone. And with Toto gone, the children are like, blah, 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 blah. They start like squabbling like crazy to the point where, by the way, Toto, who we've seen with numerous injuries over the last like few months, the arm was broken. There was something else. I can't remember what it was, but like something was always wrong. No, he was in surgery for his knee. So there was something else wrong. Toto is like falling apart, the seams, it seems. Um, but the squabbling got so bad that Toto had to phone in um, from PTO, from hypothetically the hospital bed and give team orders. Um, and he did the same thing next week in Japan when I'll get to it, but <laughs> lol. Lol at the fact that even Toto can't take PTO. Me and my friend at work are always like laughing that every time we try to take PTO, suddenly everyone needs everything all at once. And so we're like on vacation on our laptops and like we just can't actually take a break. Turns out Toto's not immune to it either. Toto also has to work from home while recovering. He's just like us. Um, another moment that I really liked, which is sort of related, is that when they those that those team orders came in when um, they were uh, George was told to let Lewis go ahead, um, but it was basically what they were basically trying to do before that happened was that they were trying to pull what um, Carlos did the week before when he won the race where he like towed Lando forward to not let anyone behind him pass. And as they're trying to, and failing by the way, to execute this, Carlos jumps on the radio and goes, they're using my trick against me. And like, I know I'm not the only one to have seen the comparison um, with this, but all I could hear as he's screaming this is Snape as um, in the sixth book, when Harry is trying to um, use the Half-Blood Prince's spells against him, and Snape goes, you dare use my spells against me, Potter, me, the Half-Blood Prince. And then he runs away into the forest. Sorry about the accent. Um, but it just made me laugh. Carlos was so salty that anyone would dare to try to use his own trick and failing, which was actually, I think, made him feel good. <laughs> no one can do what he did. I don't think it'll ever be repeated, honestly. Carlos, Carlos made magic happen that weekend. I love Carlos. All right, last thing about the Japanese Grand Prix was the cool down room. Um, I was obsessed with Lando and Oscar bringing up the podcast. <laughs> and Max was so annoyed. He's like, I don't even like podcasts. Where did this come from? And Lando and Oscar couldn't stop like mocking, like teasing him about it. On on um, on Twitter, Lando posted um, a picture of them in the cool down room and someone had Photoshopped like mics and a table. And um, he wrote best episode of the Max Verstappen podcast. And Oscar um, commented on it, book me for the next episode too. 
which ironically, that's not irony, sorry, that was very Alanis Morissette of me, um, which coincidentally, he was on the next episode of the Max Verstappen podcast. So way to manifest, way to manifest Oscar. Um, but yeah, I just found it so funny how grumpy Max got that people were <laughs> making him <laughs> lead a podcast. Like, I don't even like them. I don't listen to them. I fall asleep. I, they're boring. <laughs> He's like, can we do something else? Can we call it something else? <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Lap three, uh, podium moments from the Qatar Grand Prix. All right, number one, Lewis. Okay, so Lewis fucked up hard in the first 15 seconds. Um, he like, I don't know, he went in for the lunge, misjudged a bit. George had absolutely nowhere to go, whatever. George starts swearing a lot. Um, and Lewis, when he's out, he's asked if he's okay. And he says, got taken over by my own teammate. Obviously retracted that as soon as he watched what happened. Um, but George is like panicking on the radio and he's like, I'm so sorry guys, I wasn't even looking behind me. I was just focused ahead. And he like, he came out of nowhere um, to the point where he was panicking so much that Toto had to call in and be like, George, just drive. That's like Toto's like go-to. And Toto had like a doll, you know, the dolls that speak and say like someone's catchphrase. And if you pulled it, Toto's would be like, not now, Mikey. Or like, what did he say? That's not fair, Michael. I can't remember what he said. Or then it's like, I sent you an email, Michael. And then it would also be like, just drive. <laughs> Cause I swear every other week he's telling Lewis and George to just shut up and drive. Hey, he's Rihanna. I can't sing it. I can't remember how it goes, but shut up and drive is basically his motto this season. Um, but another iconic thing that happened, um, dangerous but iconic, is Lewis crossed the track while there was an active race happening from where his car was crashed into the, into the gravel. He just crossed and it was like slow-mo. Um, <laughs> the commentator was like, I hope Toto doesn't have a glass table nearby because um, we all know he'd break it. Um, anyway. Um, it's a very iconic photo. Everyone kept saying like, this is going to be the shot that Netflix uses over and over again in their promotion. Um, but all I could hear in my head as he's crossing it in slow motion is that Lonely Island song where it's like, cool guys don't look at explosions. They blow things up, then walk away. That's literally what was going on. He blew up his race and then walked away. <laughs> Um, all right. Another big highlight from Qatar was Oscar's like weekend. What a performance from him, honestly. Um, not only did he win the sprint, but he also finished second in the race. And honestly, this weekend, he, you could see it building up, but this weekend really solidified why Otmar was so butthurt that, um, Zach managed to steal him away. And it also shows why Zach was willing to blow everything up to steal um, Oscar away. It would be so much worse if it wasn't, there was no like ROI on the investment, but clearly there is as mad as I am at um, Zach for doing that. Um, okay, so um, another thing related to Oscar's performance is the cool down room. The only thing better than what he did on track is what he did in the fucking cool down room. Let me tell you, the heat, exhaust blah, the heat exhaustion was like, so overwhelming that like unhinged Oscar had no filter. Like he was beyond unhinged. Everything that he thought just came out of his mouth. Um, so like <laughs> Oscar walks in <laughs> and just collapses on the ground, like in a starfish, starfish position and goes, I liked Fernando's idea of like getting water dumped on him. Um, Max comes in also sits on the ground and as he like walks in he's like does anyone have a wheelchair <laughs> um and as <laughs> eventually max moves into a chair oscar is still lying on the ground and they're replaying oscar is not facing the tv by the way he's like facing the door um he's just like listening to them discuss it and so on the tv they were showing um Lewis and George's crash. And so Oscar goes, was it Lewis and George that crashed? And Lando goes, yeah. And Oscar goes, ha, huh? I can't even go to, ha, huh? <laughs> thank you, Mercedes. <laughs> and Max just bursts out laughing. Like, what are, what are you saying? Um, and it was also funny. Oscar like turns around eventually to see the TV too. And as soon as he turns around, the TV turns off. <laughs> 
And he's like, oh, now they turn it off. That was not an Australian accent. That was an English accent. That was a nothing accent. Basically, he was annoyed they turned it off. Um, honestly, the best cool down room I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, literally, I think the heat just got to them to the point where they had no filter. Um, Max and Lando were the most composed out of everyone on the grid, honestly, besides the people who didn't race. Um, so they were sort of composed, but like Oscar was just gone, <laughs> like fully gone. Um, also Qatar, no alcohol. So like when they tried to pop their champagne, it was actually sparkling rose water. Um, and it just went nowhere and it looked so pathetic. It was hilarious. Glando kept trying his trick, nothing. All right, leads me to the third thing, which is not like a highlight, but it's an essential thing for us to discuss. The day of the race, Pirelli and the FIA had apparently decided the tire degradation was like more extreme than expected and therefore must be mitigated, which resulted in a new rule that um, required teams to only use each set of tires that they had for only 18 laps at a time. And those 18 laps included... Um, anything that had happened during sprint and quality. So this was literally the entire F1 grid and everyone at home was that meme of like the person like thinking, like looking up and there's like all these equations flying around their head. That was everyone watching. Cause they're like, what is math? How do we calculate this? I didn't bother personally. I was just like, I'll let everyone else do the math. But everyone was very stressfully like calculating shit. But basically what happens is that on average, everyone was on a three stop strategy. Um, I personally would be very peeved, um, that this wasn't taken into consideration in advance, especially because everyone had strategies prepared and now their strategy was changing. Um, especially when there was a sprint race the same weekend. So like the tires had to be used even less than, um, a normal weekend. But basically what happened is everyone had to come up with a new strategy and basically everyone was on the same strategy because everyone had to do three pit stops. But what ended up happening is because they had had to do three pit stops, they basically had to go full send every lap, every minute. So it was the, the drivers described it as like qualifying times three added on with all the heat that was happening um, and like how hard they were going. It was just like a recipe for disaster. And like what's tragically ironic about this is that you would think that after all these precautions, they kept making amendments throughout the weekend to be more safe. All of these precautions in place this weekend somehow ended up being the most unsafe weekend that F1, I don't know, has seen since there were people dying by the like handful in like the 70s. Like it was so unsafe. Um... The heat was insane. I wish I could know how much the, the weight each driver lost because I know they say they lose around seven pounds in Singapore and all of them said this was way worse in Singapore. So I can't even imagine how much weight was lost. So like here's a, I, so basically what was going on was there was, it was about 55 degrees Celsius or 122 degrees Fahrenheit in the cockpit, um, which is insane. Um, so no wonder everyone was struggling. And so here's like a quick rundown of the how everyone felt, I guess. Um, Lando said there were drivers passing out in the medical center. Lance, we watched his, everyone saw the footage of him getting out of his car. He like stumbled side to side, like after like struggling to get out of the car at all. Like he stumbled side to side and literally like fell into the window of the ambulance next to him. Why no one got out to help him? I don't know, but he like barely made it. And afterwards he said that he was basically towards the end of the race passing out in every corner because the G-force was so strong, mix of heat, dehydration. He was basically blind going through all those corners. Um, and it would also, and I don't, this is obviously not the only reason, but it does help explain why there were so many track limit issues this race because they couldn't see. <laughs> um, Alex could barely get out of his car and he had to be helped out by the alpha mechanics, which is very wholesome. And he was later treated for acute heat exposure. Um, a couple of days later, Alex posted a picture of him in an ice bath in his full race suit saying, nope, for next time, Doha is hot. <laughs> Fernando, halfway through the race, uh, Fernando gets on the radio and says that his butt is literally on fire and he asked for his engineers to pour water on him um, at his pit stop. Apparently this is not allowed. 
the race rules, like, I don't know if it makes them heavier, whatever. They're not allowed to dump water on the driver. Um, after the race, though, Fernando said that he had partial burns on the side of his seat because of, on the side of his body because the seat was so hot, which is insane because he's wearing a fireproof suit. Fernando said it wasn't the toughest race, but it was like on the podium of toughest races. Um, Charles, George, and Valtteri all said it was beyond the limit and one of the hardest races they've ever experienced in their life. Um, we also kept seeing all the drivers opening their visors to try to get some air in and like going like this. At one point, George like put his hands forward like this to try to get some air outside of the cockpit. I don't even know. Um, the worst one is that the visor of the visor thing was that Yuki lifted his visor and got like an eyeful of sand which is so dangerous. You can't stop and like get it out of your, I don't even know how, I don't, I don't know. Ocon, speaking of that, Ocon vomited into his helmet around lap 15 and apparently continued vomiting. Later, I heard rumors that several drivers were vomiting into their helmets, uh, did not confirm that, but holy shit. I just, the fact that no one got hurt worse than just feeling bad after the race, that there were no like accidents, is be I don't know how they did that. Like, honestly, it's insane. They were half blind, <laughs> weak, like, and these are af athletes at the top of their prime. These are like some of the best athletes in the world to be driven to this state, insane. But lastly, I wanna talk about Logan. Um, it started with him mentioning how horrible he was feeling, but he kept giving, he kept saying like, I give you my word, I'm gonna see this out. Um, kudos to Williams who immediately said, you can stop now. James Fowles got on the radio. He's like, there's no shame in you stopping. It's perfectly okay. Your health comes first. If you don't feel safe driving, please pull over. Um, Logan drove another 10 laps after his first com first like complaint. And then he was like, I can't do it anymore. His engineer was so reassuring. He was like, it's totally fine. Please come in. We'll take care of you. Um, and he was so apologetic. He was like, you could see him struggling to drive the car into the pits. And he was like barely speaking and he's like i'm so sorry i'm so 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 sorry just kept apologizing and why am i crying i'm so annoying um i'm he 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 dnf'd and i'm so happy he did the video of him like getting out of the car is like so sad <laughs> like it like two engineers were pulling him out and he had to be escorted out um the reason he felt it worse than other people was also because he um had flu symptoms earlier in the week so he was in an already very weakened state and the heat and dehydration just amplified that tenfold so he was all right. But like, honestly, I think he was the hero of Qatar for knowing his limits and accepting his limits. Knowing your limits is one thing, but like acknowledging that you can't go further is another. And that takes a lot, especially for these drivers who are so committed to going full send and doing going to the absolute limit. And double for Logan because he's trying to prove something to his team, to the world, that he deserves a spot. And to be able to say, like, I cannot do this is very impressive. And people who are making fun of him are assholes because, like, he clearly was struggling. And if a driver passed out in the driver's seat, it wasn't, it's not just him that's going to die. It's whoever gets in his way along the way. Like, you know, like, it's just... It was all in all a very huge safety issue. I know next year that Qatar is going to be later in the year. Um, so it's not going to be as much of a concern, the heat. But like F1 really needs to reconsider. Like they seem to be so paranoid about safety and yet keep having this massive safety issues. Like Japan last year when they were like, yeah, let's keep going in this pouring rain and almost killed Pierre with like the truck in the middle of the road. You know, like... Try harder. And the final thing, I think I did three, but I just wanted to say Max became world champion. Um, it was very impressive. Max, it's a little anticlimactic, even for Max. Like, well, this is lovely. Um, there was a great video of him getting interviewed and Carlos like sauntered over and congratulated him in the middle of the interview wearing his little linen pants because he wasn't able to race. And then Fred Vasseur came by, Max stood up and shook his hand and Fred's like carrying this little briefcase. It was very cute. Everyone was very happy for him. I'm very happy for him. Um, I wish it was harder, but it's still so impressive 
to see him at the top of his game. The only, my only sadness about this whole thing is that um, it was announced during the sprint. And so Oscar's first like race win, not like a GP win, but like a race win was overshadowed by the fact that Max won the world championship, which was sad for Oscar. Um, but otherwise so happy for Max. And um, I hope he wins next year too, but I hope it's a struggle, you know? Actually, I don't hope he wins next year. I wouldn't mind if he won next year. I just want him to work for it more than he did this year. All right. Lap four, four, off-duty F1. So some random moments. Back in Japan, Yuki cooked for Liam, and it was amazing. And I was obsessed with their, like, banter and relationship. And then I found out that they lived together when Yuki was still living in um, the UK. Um, so they're very close and that's why they had such a great relationship. And I would honestly love to see more content from them. Um, but TBD on that, I guess. Um, also Yuki was asked who he would go on holiday with. And he said, um, on the grid and he said, Alex Lando and Max. And then he said, Verstappen is not as he appears. He's a very nice guy. It was he who made me discover some excellent gin and tonic on his private jet. I will forever thank him for this. Uh, just absolutely iconic that Yuki's favorite moment with Max is related to food and drink. And I just love that all of Yuki's favorite moment, like if you ask Yuki to mention his favorite moment with people, I guarantee each one would relate back to food and drink. And I really understand him. By the way, this is a little off topic, but um, recently I was <laughs> set up on a date through family friends never doing that again that was a fucking nightmare um like my mom was contacted by someone she knows apparently that person was contacted by someone she knows by the mom of this guy i went on the date with him um it was it wasn't it was not gonna go anywhere we did not vibe um but i just left it at that he, I just listed the chain of command here, right? It was like, if he said something, it went from him to his mom, to this lady, to this lady that knows my mom, to my mom. And this lady who knows my mom is also friends with my mom's other friend. And there was a lot of drama setting this whole date up in the first place, literally never doing it again. But <laughs> my mom is traveling abroad and this lady kept trying to call my mom to debrief the date. Mom's like, there's nothing to debrief. Like they just didn't get on. Um, and the lady was like, no, we must discuss it. So she called my mom's friend, then told my mom that this boy complained that he tried so hard for this date and dressed so nicely and spent hours getting ready. Couldn't tell. Um, and he was like, and she showed up in a wrinkled t-shirt and like with no effort at all. Like you can't do that. This was the outfit I was wearing. This shirt was apparently too wrinkled for him. And apparently t-shirt and jeans is unacceptable for a coffee date on a Sunday. But the second thing he said was that she has no hobbies. All she does is eat and sleep. I don't know where he got the sleep part. I, I mentioned I go to bed early. Um, so I guess he assumes that I just sleep all day. Uh, but the eating thing, I did say as a joke, he was like, What's your, what are your hobbies? And I was like, huh, eat. And then I elaborated that I like to try new restaurants and I like to cook and like all these things. And apparently that was very unsatisfactory. And I wish I could... In Russian, it sounds much funnier. It was like spaitizhret, if anyone speaks Russian. Um, anyway, I was shamed for liking food and I just know that if Yuki was my friend, he would understand. <laughs> What's wrong with eating? Anyway, very strong aside about my personal life. I apologize if no one gave a fuck. Um, but uh, moving on, um, in other news, um, Qatar was the last race that Liam um, participated in, but he didn't know that he was going to be participating in it. And he said he found out because by like, he was eating lunch with his friends and all of a sudden he gets a FaceTime from a random number and he picks up and it's just Daniel Ricardo's face being like, Hey, you're going to Qatar. Um, what a great FaceTime to get. Why doesn't he have Daniel's number saved? That's my second question. Um, 
Also, this is not really F1 related, but as I don't know if you guys have seen, but Taylor Swift has a new boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. Um, and even though this, this relationship makes me like beyond giddy, I could talk for hours about it. But the reason I bring it up is because some of the edits I saw on TikTok were like killing me because it was like, it was like showing how happy she is with Travis Kelsey. And then you would swipe and it would just be a depressed Fernando Alfonso. I'll link an example, but they are so funny. Like the first one I saw, I really wasn't expecting for it to lead to Fernando, um, but it is funny. Speaking of Fernando, sorry, um, and Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, um, we saw a few weeks ago, months ago, that Ryan Reynolds has now invested in Alpine. Um, in the last week, we found out that a whole slew of... Um, of athletes have invested in Alpine, two of whom are um, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. But also, I really, really, really need to see Alpine sales pitch because I don't know how they're getting all of these investments. I don't know if they're capable of doing anything effective with these investments. Um, but like whatever they're selling is working. Um, but also my very um, sideways conspiracy theory is that all of these investors are somehow indirectly related to Taylor Swift, to Travis Kelsey, and Ryan Reynolds' best friends with her, or Blake Lively, whatever, you know? All roads lead to Taylor, that's all I'm saying. Two of my favorite um, uh, dumps from the US Grand Prix was one from Alex, who posted a lot of him and Logan content, and. I'll get to that in a second. But the last slide of his um, of his dump was of the gluten-free chocolate cupcakes at Trader Joe's, which I am obsessed that he posted. That's just so random. And I love that Alex respects the institution that is Trader Joe's. He like, he gets it. Um, but what I was going to say is that I, I'm obsessed with him and Logan's relationship. It seems very brotherly. I feel like Alex sees a lot of him in Logan and he's sort of taking him under his wing. He likes always bigging him up. And I love all the videos of them eating food together. They're great. They recently went and ate uh, brisket together at barbecue um, in Austin and their interactions are just very cute. Also, Alex did a hilarious, Williams posted him walking through the garage and he did, he was like, oh, should I do Logan? And then started walking in slow-mo and like flipping his hair, like imitating Logan, it was very funny. Um, the second dump, obviously, that I loved was Pierre's, always as a great dump. And he posted like an edited version of um, the video that was going around of him and Yuki playing basketball in, in the paddock. And it was where he lifted Yuki up to dunk. Um, and it was that account that makes them small. So it's like Pierre's regular size and Yuki's been shrunk extra. And <laughs> Pierre's like picking him up like that. It was very funny. Um, also Charles and Carlos attended a Ferrari event in Texas and looked incredible. Um, don't fully know what the event was. All I know is that there were a bunch of Ferraris and they were in Texas and there was a mall nearby. Um, I did think it was funny. They were doing like the fan event in Austin and, um, they had pulled up a picture of Carlos in the suit and, um, the person leading it was like, Carlos, so you were in New York. Um, for this event and Charles interrupts he goes actually we were both in New York clearly I didn't look good enough to be put up on the big screen but we were both there <laughs> so sassy um speaking of Charles um after the race it was announced that he was signed by WME modeling agency um so I guess he's securing his future <laughs> uh look out for Charles in magazines near you soon and finally, um, the two birthdays that have happened so far in the time I've been gone is um, Kevin Magnuson, who got flowers from Nico and a cute little birthday cake um, from Haas. And Max turned 26 on September 30th, and Kelly posted an adorable photo of them with Penelope and P trying to blow out uh, the candles for Max. And the cake had Max, P, Kelly, and Max's cats on it. It was very cute. They're such a cute family. I saw a clip from Max's um, documentary where um, his mom is talking about Kelly and she was saying how he, she's such a good calming force in his life. And that's so important for him. And she attributes a lot of his calm 
attitude and maturity, which he has, to Kelly, which is very sweet. Um, and I have to talk about this. This is very important to me, the piastries on Twitter. Um, I have said this before, and I will say it again. The piastries thrive on Twitter. Thrive. Um, when Oscar got re-signed during the Japanese Grand Prix, his mother, Nicole, tweeted, wait, so we're doing this for another three years? Which is funny. Everyone was like, um, I hope it's for more than three years. And in response to that, Zach Brown offered to fly her out to the Japanese Grand Prix to watch. And um, she tweeted a thank you to him, but said she preferred to have her anxiety attacks from the comfort of her own home. Love her. Icon. Legend. When Oscar got a podium in Japan, his mom tweeted a picture of his old trophies and wrote, great, can I get rid of these now? Um, when Oscar got pole for sprint, his mom tweeted, great, now I have to cancel my 7 a.m. Pilates class. <laughs> and when he won, she just tweeted two empty bottles of champagne. Also, Oscar, just like his mom, Oscar shines on Twitter. Um, when he got re-signed with McLaren, he tweeted, stress-free contract announcement. As always, there was at one point, uh, Martin Brundle was mid-interview with Oscar on the grid, and then he spotted Esteban, whose birthday was, and ran over to wish him a happy birthday. And like on screen, Oscar just like shrugged and like left. But later he he tweeted the video and wrote, uh, "Shall we finish that interview, Brundle?" Or um, when he got. Um, the late track limits car call in Qatar. First of all, he was really funny mid interview when he's like being interviewed for finishing, um, for finishing like in the top three and mid interview, the interview is like, Oh, we just found out you got your track limits deleted. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and then during the race, when he was, um, the interviewer was like, Oh, we just found out that. And then pause and goes, you got driver of the day. And Oscar's like, I thought you were going to say I got my track limits deleted again. Um, but basically he tweeted the picture of him, of the top three from qualifying. Um, cause they already with Max and George, cause they already taken all the pictures, done everything. And the caption was P1, P2 and P6 shrug. <laughs> uh, I'm just slowly becoming more and more obsessed with Oscar. Everything he does just makes me smile. I, I love Oscar and I I regret every um, non-positive thing I've ever said about him. All right, lab five, trackside at USA. There is no US Grand Prix without Daniel and what a weekend to make his comeback. Um, the week leading up to it was amazing. He sang Wagon Wheel at a Nashville bar. He also did hot laps in Nashville, big Nashville moment for him. He was also made the honorary mayor. I wrote of Kentucky, clearly it's not of Kentucky. It's a city in Kentucky, just can't tell you which one. Um, but like all of this was shared from the Red Bull account and everyone keeps joking about how um, this is a sign that he's gonna like take over from Checo. But no, he's still in the Red Bull family and I think the social media team will be damned if they will not use the only, the best marketing person they have at their disposal. And that is Daniel. It just is. Anyway, um, a quick rundown of all the celebrities that were there. Prince Harry was there as a guest of Mercedes. Mick Dramey, Pat Patrick Dempsey, for those of you who don't know, is like a massive uh, motorsports fan was a driver also. I think he participated in Le Mans. I might've made that up, but he loves motorsports and he's in the new Ferrari movie. Um, so that was why he was there, I think, to help promote it. But also he was in the Ferrari movie because he loves motorsports. I don't know, chicken egg, which came first. Uh, Joshua Anthony was there, the boxer, who was the one who was like, oh, it's a pee, alpine. Um, Joe Jonas was there, who we've fallen out with. If you know, you know. Uh, Drew Barrymore, I don't know if she was at the actual race, but she did do a whole segment. Like she did a whole pit stop with the Red Bull team. She had the whole outfit. She looked great. Uh, Scott Disick was there, which is very relevant because um, his ex is Rebecca Donaldson, AKA Carlos's new girlfriend. Whew, what a run in. By the way, Rebecca has like that, old money, I don't know, I don't know if it's old money, but like the way she carries herself is so elegant, like 
it makes me uncomfortable. Like even she's like one of those people that when she slouches, it looks straight, you know? Um, and what is it about Scott Disick attracting all these like naturally like elegant people like Sophia Ritchie and Rebecca Donaldson and then spitting them back up and giving them a better option? <laughs> I love Scott Disick, but like they both leveled up, honestly. Um, Adam Driver was there with Michael Mann promoting the Ferrari movie. He did the intro, um, to the Grand Prix where he's like walking down the, um, the track and he's like saying words, which honestly, if there was any way to incorporate like a celebrity with the intro, at least it's this. And it's not like the weird driver introductions that they made LL Cool J do at, in Miami. And this is not a celeb from this um, race, but I do want to mention that David Beckham was at Qatar and he like really thoroughly did his rounds. I think he was a guest of Red Bull because that's a guest because of obviously Spice Girls, but also that's the only picture he posted to his grid from uh, the race. But like he made his rounds to every freaking garage. There are pictures of him with every team very impressive from him like he really was dedicated i don't know if this is part of his like weird guitar deal for like gajillion dollars if that was specific to the world cup or if it's just any sports that happens in qatar he has to show up but he is a big f1 fan he's been there forever all right well that concludes our digital warm-up ah, you can hear it uh on to the race drawing usa usa we're in austin hey it's a sprint weekend, but the sprint was kind of boring. The sprint format definitely needs some exploring. Yay, Charles, for getting pole position. Think he can win? The Monica Witch is like, bitch, you tripping. When the lights go out on Sunday, Lando takes the lead real quick. He only stays ahead for half the race before Max catches up from P6. Now, the strategy today was definitely not a one-stop. Max knew that. Merck eventually knew that, but was a little late to catch up. You know who never figured out that strategy was crummy? Freaking Javi and the rest of Ferrari's pit wall of dummies. Poor Charles was left to salvage what he could, while Max overcame P6 and brake issues like the little red bull that could. So our top three are Max, Lewis, and Lando. Guess that's it for Austin. Mexican GP is up next though. But oh wait, the race is over, but the FAA is not done looking out for everyone's safety. They were like, hmm, anyone check the planks lately? So four planks were checked and guessed failing cars. Who the fuck else? Of course it's Lewis and Charles. Sadly, they were both disqualified, but let's look at the bright side. Thrilled to report that Yuki scored five points and Logan, what the fuck is a kilometer sergeant, got his very first F1 point. Now that's a wrap on the USGP. Adios and catch you in Mexico next week. Okay, on to analysis. As always on sprint weekends, we're starting with Saturday first so that we can group qualifying in the race together and not get confused. It might be more for me than for anyone else, but I get confused when we skip. Um, but I'm actually not gonna spend that long on the sprint because I thought it was just me that was like really bored, but it turns out everyone else was not as excited either. As a lot of people have pointed out, we had a lot of anomalies this season, like whether it was weather or like other extenuating circumstances. Um, that gave us a more exciting race. I real it's just like when it comes down to just the actual sprint and we see it like in its raw form, it kind of sucked. And I really liked the idea that Carlos pitched to Matt and Tommy on their podcast um, about doing a reverse grid. I think that would spice things up. I think that would make more th things more interesting and make everyone excited. It gives Max a chance to fight for something, gives people from the back a chance to be up front. It's just a more exciting thing. The only thing I would add on to that is that I think sprints should be on Fridays um, just so we can group things more appropriately. I just don't know why we're putting something in between. Um, Max, however, seems the most vocal out of all the drivers that he really doesn't like sprints. Part of that is definitely boredom, I think. I don't, I don't think it's very interesting for him, but he actually thinks, he said that he thinks it's like a preview for the actual race. And he was basically like, it sort of takes away the magic of the actual, the actual day when you like wake up and you don't know how things will go. The sprint is basically just like, here's how things will probably go. <laughs> and that's kind of boring. Um, basically a hundred percent, something needs to change. I don't know what they're going to do, but they, I think they're definitely going to rethink it for next year. A couple of, 
a couple of moments that I liked the most out of the sprint races was Charles's radio. Um, when George impeded him on the track, um, Charles goes, and a penalty for Mr. Russell. Thank you. Um, and his wish is that FIA's commit because they gave George a five-second penalty or a three-place penalty. Sorry, three-place penalty. So he started, finished eighth, but he started 11th. Um, also during the sprint shootout, Max did a full spin and still got pole. And the only reason I mentioned that is because F1 posted a video of that moment with that helicopter song that was popular in TikTok. And it was very funny. Anyways, the points finishers for the sprint are Max with eight points, Lewis with seven, Charles with six, Lando with five, Checo with four, Carlos with three, Pierre with two, and George with one. All right, on to actual quality. Just a few highlights. Alonso went out in Q1, which is the first time he's done that all year. I think he made it into Q3 this entire year. He definitely never went out in Q1. Um, Charles pulled out a show-stopping lap and got provisional pole. Max almost knocks him out, but then his lap time gets deleted, um, which puts Charles on pole. And Charles is give, given this information on the radio in a very funny way. Javi is like, lap time deleted for Verstappen. And Charles goes, for fuck's sake, tell me the name before. And Javi goes, Verstappen, lap time deleted. <laughs> And Charles is like, I've already had a heart attack. And Javi's like, yeah, okay. And I just laugh because Javi is like, let me like execute on this feedback that Charles is providing on my communication skills. Um, not realizing that Charles is just in general saying, next time you tell me important information like that, maybe say who it's for instead of just saying, well, time deleted because it sounds like it's for him. Um, Javi sucks at communicating, truly, honestly. So the starting grid is as follows. Charles, Lando, Lewis, Carlos, George, Max, Pierre, Esti, Chaco, Oscar, Yuki, Guan Yu, Valtteri, Daniel, Alexander, Alexander, Alex, Logan, Kevin, Nico, Fernando, and Lance. Um, as a side note, before I get into the race, I love the commentators, but sometimes I think they're like just saying things to prove they know how to add. Like the one fun fact they mentioned before the start of the race was that it has been 200 races in the hybrid area era. Um, which is like X numbers of win for Max and X number of wins for Lewis, which is X number of wins for them combined. Is that a necessary statistic? No, for no one. That's unnecessary in general, but they said it and I'm glad Crofty knows how to add numbers. Um, now, before we get into the race, four cars are starting from the pit lane, both Haas's and both Aston's because the teams decided to change the driver setups. Um, from what I understand, Aston saw this race as a warm-up. Or not a warm-up, sorry, a test session, since quality was so bad for both of them. Uh, both Alonso and Stroll are in different setups, and I guess they're testing which one works better. Um, so this was repeated endlessly by everyone, by the way. Far four cars starting from the grid, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. But of course, Lance pulls up into his grid spot, and his radio was like, uh, box, Lance, box. Sorry. Um, and then Lance goes, oh, damn, I'm on the grid. As if he like opened his eyes and was like, wait, how did I get here? Um, it was pretty funny. The stewards were investigating it, but then decided there was no further action. But the way they phrased it in the report was hilarious. It read, well, this situation is far from ideal, dot, dot, dot. No, no investigation necessary. All right, so the start. Lando has a pretty good start and he overtakes Charles pretty quickly. I deluded thought that maybe Lando was going to get his first win this race. He wasn't even close. Um, he led the race for like 27-ish laps, um, put up a good fight-ish. Honestly, as soon as there were like overtakes in sight, he sort of let everyone pass without really fighting them, which was kind of weird. I thought he would like defend a little. Um, side note, Oscar also had a good start, but he had contact with Esteban and ended up having to DNF due to damage to his radiator, which is a wild damage to get from a little chat from Esteban. Um, so sad for Oscar, but he had his moment last week. He can take a break. Just kidding. Um, okay. So Max had kind of a weird day. He started sixth because his lap time was deleted during qualifying. He made his way up to the top pretty fast. Um, honestly, I always imagine this process being set to the soundtrack of a thousand miles by Vanessa Carlton, because literally Max is like making his way downtown, driving fast, faces past, and he's pole bound. <laughs> I literally, it's 
so bound on here, but I just pull just came to my mind. Um, anyway, he gets there and he has issues like during the race. It seems that it's his brakes because we all assume that because he's yelling at Javi that his brakes don't work. Um, after the race, he said it was, um, the tires unclear, but like Max gets so angry when things are slightly not okay. And he doesn't understand why he like really panics and gets really angry on the radio and he's just like yelling at poor GP, like no tomorrow. And then as soon as the race is over and he's won, he goes, thank you for a lovely time. This was so nice. Love you all. Goodbye. And it's just like 180. It's very funny. Anyways, he barely finished ahead of Lewis and Lando. So it was nice to see him work for it. But again, I'm disappointed the other drivers didn't try a little harder to fight him for it. You know, like he was struggling, but it wasn't because of everyone else. Um... Mercedes, okay, so Mercedes seems to continue to struggle to find their rhythm given the type, the car they have now and where they are now compared to the other drivers. Even though they've had two years to adjust, they still seem to struggle a little to like have their strategy match them not being the fastest car on the grid. Um, like, yeah, Lewis finished on the podium, disqualification, disqualification like aside, but like he should have been able to at least fight for first place, which he was not doing. Um... And that's mostly down to terrible strategy that they tried to salvage halfway through the race. Like why they pitted him when they did, why they thought a one stopper would work is beyond me. Um, this was honestly with Max struggling today, Lewis's best chance to win um, and give him a run for his money. And they just failed him both with the strategy and the slow pit stop. Um, I was a little annoyed that when Toto was asked what they would do differently, he was like, we really need to work on our pit stops. Like, that's not the only thing you need to work on, sir. Like along with your knee PT and your, and your pit stops, you also need to work on adjusting your strategy based on your actual performance. All right. Finally, let's talk about Charles. Poor baby started first, immediately got overtaken with no shot at finishing first. But you know, he could potentially have a shot at maybe the podium doing well and enter Ferrari. At one point, Javi gets on the radio and is like, thoughts on plan C? And Charles is like, plan C is ruining my race. Um, and that plan should have never been an option because it was hot AF. So one stopper just obviously wasn't working. Um, and what happened to plan A and B? How bad were A and B that we're on C now? Like, why have we never seen them execute plan A? Um, my favorite moment of all of, of this whole situation was that Pierre said after the race that Charles came up to him in the paddock and was like, so you doing a one stopper too? And Pierre was like, are you dumb? I am obviously not doing a one-stopper. And that must have been the moment that Charles was like, oh, fuck, I'm screwed. But like, lol, that he ran it by Pierre. <laughs> um, all right, so the cool down room slash podium. Um, also, Max was booed for whatever reason. And I guess like people are saying like, you can't attribute the booze to any specific fan. Some people are like, it's the Americans. Some people are like, it's the Checo fans. But like, the boos were accompanied by shouts for Checo, even though he was nowhere near the podium. So it's safe to assume that it's salty Checo fans that are booing Max. And I just think it's dumb. Why are you booing anyone? Max did nothing to deserve that. What, you're sad that Checo is not performing well? Boo Helmet Marco. Boo Christian. Why are you booing Max for being better than Checo? <laughs> or boo Checo for maybe try him more. That's mean. I know Checo's going through a lot mentally, whatever. But anyway, it's not Max's fault. Um, also, the Landy, Landy, the Lando girly presence was very strong in America. Um, he was getting a lot of love, lots of shouting for uh, Lando. Um, the cool down room was sort of fun, mostly awkward. Um, Lewis sat on the ground, which is, by the way, not my favorite way to experience the cool down room. If there isn't a driver on the ground, I don't want to see it. I, I don't, I don't, it's not complete. Um, the best moment out of, out of this entire post-race situation, Ginger Spice standing by the podium trying to take a video of Max and she like starts waving at him to get his attention for him to look at her camera so she can get a better video. And it was giving, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Like very much Chris. Um, and I just love that. I just love that someone's happy for them because they did pan to Max's father who looked 
upset at the situation. I don't know why, but he didn't look happy about what was going on. Uh, Ginger Spice was over the moon happy for Max. It was very wholesome. I love her. I'm so glad he has this presence in his life. Okay, so after the race, in traditional FIA fashion, um, they conducted a random investigation, inspection of a random selection of cars. And I know this isn't that random. They always do like a thing. And even at the beginning of the race, Crofty or Brundle was like, this man is in charge of all the inspections and he is very thorough. Foreshadowing. Um, but in this case, they inspected, I think the top, it was like from the top six cars, they investigated four cars. So Max, Lando, Lewis, and Charles were selected. And um, I don't know if they were specifically looking at planks or if they just found that in their inspection, but both Lewis and Charles were found to have an illegal plank or something. Basically, the plank is like a wooden plank that's on the outside of the floor, like on the bottom, but it's not the whole floor. It's like a strip on the floor. And it's supposed to, I think, prevent the car from getting too close to the floor. Anyway, both Lewis and Charles's planks were found to have worn too thin during the US Grand Prix and were no longer within FIA regulations. I don't really know what they expect to happen. Like it's the thing that's closest to the ground. If everything else is wearing out, obviously this piece of wood is going to wear out. Um, and I don't know what anyone can do to prevent it. Like. Was it supposed to be extra thick or something to prevent this? I don't know. But basically, a few hours after the race, it was announced that they... I think it was announced that they were under investigation. Then a few hours later, it was announced that they had been disqualified. Which, honestly, when it comes to Charles, does anything tragic phase us anymore in regards to him? Like... Hilariously, during the quali press conference, Charles said, I don't think anymore now. I stopped thinking a long time ago. And honestly, I think that's the only way to deal with just like consistent trauma in your life. <laughs> just don't think anymore. Um, the greatest thing to come out of this, though, was that um, Lewis did a joint post with Charles on Instagram. And it was just them sitting at a press conference, just staring blankly into the abyss. And Lewis captioned it, mood. <laughs> Incredible banter from Lewis. So impressed. Um, one of the funniest things he's ever done. Um, I also saw, saw some F1 girlies on TikTok saying that the filter of this post matched Charles's grid. My eye is not strong enough to detect this sort of gradient on a picture, but I fully believe them. And I just can't stop lolling at the idea of this um, text thread that must have transpired between Lewis and Charles as they picked the photo, picked the caption, picked the filter. Um, it just, it just makes me laugh. Um, and I also can't remember where I saw this, but someone said, name a more iconic duo than Carlos in a podium that he didn't stand on. And I will, because truly Carlos has had many a podium that he never was actually on, that he just got post, post, postpartum, postmortem post-death, whatever the word is. Funny. Okay, so moving on to results. Driver of the day was Max Verstappen, despite the booing. Honestly, I think it's pretty well warranted. He started sixth, did not have an easy ride, um, despite no one truly challenging him, even though they definitely could have, Max still did not have an easy race. Um, so it's great to see that he's still great despite being challenges thrown his way, you know? good to see. So I think he deserved driver of the day, but there are a couple of honorable mentions that I want to shout out. Um, my personal drivers of the day. Yuki had an excellent drive, finished P10 and got fastest lap. And given the double disqualification, ended up actually finishing P8, giving him five points for the team. Woo, Yuki. And six, actually, because he did get fastest lap even before all this. And that's wild. Like, I was not expecting that from Yuki. Um... Best of all, though, and this is like my highlight, I think, Logan Sargent had his best race yet, finished P finishing P12, and with the disqualifications, he actually finished P10, which um, means he has officially earned his first point in Formula One. Uh, honestly, I'm just so happy for him. I have such a soft spot for him now, and I love how Williams 
um, James Vowles and Alex all like are committed to rallying behind him. Um, it just warms my heart and I hope that it gives him the confidence boost to keep performing and improving. And I really do hope Williams gives him another, uh, spot for next year and continues to nurture him. I know that's like a very controversial opinion, but I just love to see them supporting him like this. And you can tell that he's stressed and like, there's a bunch of mental stuff playing into it. And I think Alex understands that a lot because he knows what it's like to be young and having a lot of pressure from a team. I just think it's a really good environment for him to thrive. And I really, like Yuki was given a chance and I really think Logan should be given a chance. He's really grown on me. And USA, right? Am I right? Like, woo, America. Um, oh, by the way, I cackle every time I hear the what the fuck is a kilometer sound that like has like transcended F1. It is everywhere. It is so funny. Poor Logan <laughs> lives in Europe his whole life. He obviously knows what a kilometer is, but it's very funny. Uh, the dick in the box box, A, FIA. I know they do like post-race inspections, etc. but I just get annoyed when they make these random like callings so long after the race. It's just irksome. Um, and also my dick in the box box, as always, is Ferrari for, because like, what the fuck was Charles' strategy? Honestly, like, what the fuck was it? Like, it just, uh, what dicks? All right, so the results with the disqualifications are as follows. Max, Lando, Carlos, Checo, George, Pierre, Lance, Yuki, Alex, Logan, Nico Valtteri, Guan Yu, Kevin, Daniel, and then the DNFs were Fernando, Oscar, and Esteban. And the disqualifications were Lewis and Charles. Um, so the current standings, uh, Max has already won with... I'd like to say that's 666 points, but I can't be sure because this is a really bad screenshot. Checo has 240. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton has 201. Fernando has 183. Carlos Sainz has 121, Lando has 159, sorry, Carlos has 171, Lando has 159, Charles has 151, George has 143, and then Oscar has 83, and then it's all below 100. So Max obviously is unbeatable at this point. Um, Lewis might have a chance of beating Checo in the championship. And that's another rumor that's going around is that Checo's position on the team hinges on him finishing P2 in the championship. So if Lewis pulls something out of his ass, Checo ends up P3. Hello, Daniel, I guess. Um, Lando has been arriving recently. So he has a high chance of beating Carlos and maybe even Fernando in the standings. Um, all still to play for. <laughs> Not really, but some of it is still to play for. Um, the constructors are as follows. Red Bull with 706. Mercedes with 344. Ferrari with 322. McLaren with 242. Aston with 236. So McLaren has, as of this week, upped for um, Aston in the constructors championship. Um... By the looks of it, they're going to keep it because they're getting better and Aston is getting worse somehow. There is also very few points between Mercedes and Ferrari, like 20 points. Um, so there's a high chance that um, Ferrari will be able to outscore Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, but yeah. So that's it for the U.S. Grand Prix. Up next is Mexico this weekend. Um Make sure you subscribe, share with any potential boxes, and you can always DM me or email me with any of your thoughts. I will be back from Mexico. Hopefully my voice sounds a little better. Um, but until then, uh, make sure you follow on social. See you soon. Box, box.